0: This episode is sponsored by realtor.com who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on realtor.com by claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition. You're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you and staying top of mind with past clients to learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View podcast. I am your host, Allison. Joining me today is Craig Rao. He is a realtor, marketing, technology, and website expert, a journalist, and writer. Craig started in commercial real estate during the dot-com boom, helping an array of commercial real estate companies fortify their online presence and analyze internal software decisions. He now helps with the technology decisions and marketing through reviewing software and tech for Inman. And we were just joking before we started recording that sometimes all you have to do when it comes to technology is restart the device. So that that was our uh, pre-recording chat. So Craig, welcome on to the show. We're so excited to have you.
1: Thanks very much, Allison. Uh, Great to be here. And I think restarting is probably a good mantra for a lot of things in life, isn't it?
0: That's true. It goes just beyond the technology side of things. Sometimes just a good reset in your life overall is always a good way to deal with any issues that are coming up. So no, I think you're totally, totally right on that. When in doubt, restart, right? Before we get started on what we're going to talk about today, which is this world of referrals and how we can really ramp up the referrals in this year and what we should be doing uh, to really utilize those referrals. How do we get more of them? How do we do it to the best of our ability? How do we keep those referrals happy that we get? So, But before we talk about the world of referrals, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of the guests who join us on The Real View which is since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen?
1: Oh, yeah. I also work in the outdoor industry as a guide. And I've been really fortunate along the way to see all kinds of amazing places, Grand Canyon and Yosemite and out in parks in Wyoming and remote areas of the desert, all that kind of stuff. But the best view was a hike my wife and I did in Europe. We did the Tour de Mont Blanc, which is a a long trail around the Alps that goes through Italy, France, and Switzerland. Uh, And on one particular day, we came down into a valley, and there was a very small, I guess, hamlet is probably the best way to describe it, outside the town of Champagne, if I'm pronouncing that right, in Switzerland. But this town was completely lush, wildflower-strewn creeks that you could trace visually all the way back up to these glaciers hanging over the top of it in the Alps. Just perfectly maintained and manicured Swiss chalets, and just the occasional family or person just outside, kind of tending a garden. It was as if Disney had just manufactured this little town in Switzerland, and it it actually moved me to tears thinking people actually living these sort of environments. It was. Absolutely stunning. And I spent probably an extra half hour just walking slowly through this little collection of homes outside this town. It it has stuck with me since and uh, I'll never forget that.
0: Oh, that's that's beautiful. And I love the way you described it. It sounds it does sound like picturesque, you know, movie like fake, like how can it be real life? And it makes you wonder, you know, do people appreciate it? You know, when they live there, do they think that like, this is just their real life? Or, you know, does it make you wonder?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm certain they do. And I'm certain the families I came across all have their own problems like we all do. But I don't have any doubt, given the people we met on that hike, that they do very much appreciate and understand where it is they live. It was incredible.
0: Yeah, very, very cool. Very beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for sharing. I want to hear a little bit more about you, Craig. I mean, I know I I rattled off your, your bio there in the beginning, but I'd love to hear about your career journey, how you got involved in the real estate and tech world, and a little bit about you, what you do, and what you've done in, in your career.
1: Well, I think like most of these, it's fairly long story, but pretty direct. I had started school as an art major, kind of converted over to English and professional writing. But out of school, it was easier to get jobs in like graphic design, all that sort of thing. So that's kind of where I started. And that grew into marketing roles, right? Because I had some writing background, So I started in commercial real estate with a big company called, well, at the time, CB Richard Ellis, they go by CBRE now. And at one point during that, I was put in charge of helping the the company build its website. So you have this billion-dollar global company, and we had two people on the website team and a group of interns, and that was it. And my job was to go around to different offices at that time in the Southeast and help them ramp up their website content. The company had created a template system, a lot like a lot of modern residential brokerages do with their different offices, right? Here's a set of templates. Here's how you can plug in content. Here's what you should put in there. And that was my job. And that was, you know, early on in my early 20s. From there, I was recruited over to a boutique tenant rep firm to head up their marketing. And that's where I really heavily got involved in technology because this particular company wanted to market to multi-site biotechs and high-tech companies that were relocating to the Research Triangle area of North Carolina, where I I lived for quite a while. So my job was to interface with a couple of consultants that they hired. I was very fortunate that these consultants were really experienced and were around in some very big companies in the tech space. So they taught me a lot about how real estate business and technology can overlap, and specifically how to match a real estate company with a particular office or a business, how the internal operations of a real estate business will plug into the tools and features of a particular technology company. I was that in-house interface with that consulting team for close to a year while we were analyzing products. So again, yeah, that taught me a lot from that company. I stepped out of real estate for a little while and I was in professional communications at a really unique boarding school. So I was kind of the public face of this school, talking to reporters and media, kind of on the opposite side of, of where I am now. But it was I was still heavily involved in technology because it was a specifically STEM school. It focused heavily on math and science and had a lot of really unique technology components. Yeah. And then fast forward a few years, I was, I was back in real estate, selling multifamily investment property. While I was in charge of marketing, Primarily, I was licensed again, and we were involved in selling multifamily properties, anything from 150 to 200 unit apartment buildings to a common duplex and even single family rentals. And we are more in the owner operator space. So we didn't necessarily interact with institutional owners, primarily your your mom and pop landlords. And if you want to learn anything about investing in property, those are the people you should align yourself with because you learn a ton from the landlords that are also on the ground. If the potential buyer showed up in a pickup truck with a bunch of tools in it, that's your buyer because that's a person who knows how a rental property works, right? They know when the carpet needs to be replaced and when it doesn't, right? They're hands-on, they have their AC guy, they have their guy that fixes roofs, and they have this network of professionals around them. In those years, I learned a ton. And along the way, in that particular job, as well as when I was back at CBRE, I was very fortunate to have worked under some really good mentor-like figures that knew the business very well and they could provide insight and expertise out from under the typical stuff. right? You can read a book and you can learn some stuff in class. but the things I learned from some of those folks were real grassroots type job experience and understanding how the real estate market works, those sort of things. As 2008 and nine, the phones pretty much stopped ringing. If anyone kind of is was really active in 2008, you probably remember that day. I had a buyer in from California, this was in North Carolina at the time, I had a buyer in from California. He had called our mortgage rep and our mortgage rep quickly called me back and said, I can't help your client. And I said, well, you know, he's well qualified, he's got other properties. And he said, we weren't even supposed to pick up the phone. He said, I only picked it up because it was you. We're all just kind of sitting around in our office looking at one another. And we were told not to do anything because something really bad is about to happen. And now ne- <laughs> it was an incredible conversation. I called back to the office and said, you guys, like, what's what's happening? And they was like, yeah, we just had those calls too. Anyway, as that all came crashing down, quite literally, I decided it was time to go out on my own as a freelance writer. And I wanted to spend a lot more time in the outdoors, which is kind of another career of mine. And I was able to make it work after a few years, tracking down all kinds of different freelance opportunities. I went to kind of a school to formalize all my outdoor experience. And then after a while, I kind of came across Inman back in 2015. I originally just wanted to be in the contributor program, which allows agents and other professionals to just contribute articles on a, they don't necessarily get paid, but it's a great way to showcase expertise. The editor had kind of noticed my background, said, we're looking for a columnist to review technology products. That was it. And there we were. And now it's 2023. And I've been involved for quite some time. It's a great place to be. I'm really lucky. I appreciate it very much. And we get to interact with a lot of great folks like yourself and like all the different agents out there, all the different prop tech entrepreneurs and the stalwarts. And yeah, here we are. That's me.
0: Thank you so much for for sharing your background and history. And I always like to learn a little bit more about people and where they come from and how they've got to where they are today, because it's rarely that simple from what I've heard just talking to different people. So I always love, love hearing those stories. The Inman article you wrote around referrals kind of is where I found you. Um, and And you're right about Inman. There's so much expertise that does come from that. And I know so many guests, I've found through eminent articles because you're right. That's where you find the people who really know what they're talking about and have that specialty um, in whatever they're they're writing about. I want to talk a little bit about referrals, kind of what they are, why they're so important. I think we all, as realtors, kind of know the gist, you know, of referrals and what they are. But to you, and and with your background and in your focus on tech, why do you think referrals are so important to this industry?
1: Because they take the agent out of the transactional mindset especially as you get started i mean in most cases people aren't making a lot of money right away unless they have some sort of unique relationship with their broker so they're always kind of just looking for that next deal always trying to service the current deal right and it's understandable right i mean I, I get it that's the prevailing business model in the industry but i think referral business is, is so important because it can eventually take you out of that mindset and get you out of that day-to-day scramble to find new leads the entire like lead generation, the entire like paid lead business relies on those agents that aren't working on referral business. So the sooner you can get out from under that, the more stable and long-term your business can be. One example I I give is I was helping an agent here, I live in a small resort town now in, in California, and I was helping an agent doing some consulting for her with her buyer agents. And she wanted me to kind of recommend some software for them to use to manage leads, a CRM system. And I asked her, the broker, I asked her specifically, well, what do you use? Can we just set up some new licenses? And she says, nothing. She holds up a post-it note with about five names on it. She says, these are who I'm just kind of following up with this week. These are just old clients. That's her business. And she's a top producer in the area. And that's all referral business. Now, that's not to say that five, 10 years ago, she also wasn't hustling every day to find new business. I mean, I make it sound kind of easy, but early on, that is, I think all agents have to go through that. You have to go through those phases where you're scraping and clawing and busting your butt to find that new business. But that is, I think, why referral business is, is so important because it'll get you out of that mindset. It'll really help create long-term stability in a in a business that doesn't always offer it intrinsically.
0: When we talk about real estate and what we do, you know, so much of it is relationship building. And I think that's what makes the referral business so important and so cool is because it's so much of a of a relationship building type of way to get a client. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-license course locations. There's this whole... Steps that need to happen and things that need to happen after we've received a referral. What does that management look like of that relationship? And how can we really, after we receive a referral or you know, get in touch with somebody that may be interested, what does that follow-up process look like and how should we be managing that relationship?
1: Okay, the, I think referral relationships are even more critical than ones you create on your own because the person who provided you that referral They're going to follow up with the person they sent your direction as the agent, right? So you're ultimately managing two relationships there. If someone has referred to you, that lead is kind of your premier client at that point because you want to service them because you want them to tell your other previous client how well you did because you're only kind of as good as your most recent business. If it doesn't go well with that referral lead, that person that referred them, that it's going to cascade down right? And that's how things can kind of break and you may lose those relationships. In terms of managing that relationship, I think you elevate referral leads. And that means everything. That means giving them a little bit of priority. It means asking what you can do to kind of go above and beyond. In terms of managing it, I think you elevate it. You make it a priority.
0: Really good idea to kind of put those people at the top of the list when you're thinking about who you want to reach out to this week, this day doing it so regularly, um, this this referral marketing, that it just becomes a habit, right? We think that's something we should try to do as realtors. What are some good tactics that, that you found that can help us gain more referrals and, and really make it a daily habit, weekly habit, enough to the point that we're kind of doing it so regularly, helping with with gaining more of those types of clients?
1: Tactics. So actual actions you can take. Take time to write. And it can just be a couple of sentences to reach out to these people. Let's start with like folks who recently closed business with. The house closed last month. As far as you know, everything's going fine. Don't forget about those. Write them a small email. It doesn't have to be a letter. You don't have to try and fool anybody with computers that handwrite postcards to mail out. You can sniff those out. Just send somebody an email. Ask them how it's going. What you can do for them. Do that every few months. And I, I think every. Five, six months is probably really good. Let them know you're still in the business. That is a real thing. That happened with me. I I bought a house through one agent, sold it through another because I didn't know the first agent was even, I didn't hear from her in for eight years. Had no idea she was still in the business. In fact, I heard somewhere she may have retired. But if she was sending me emails every few months, I would have known and I would have happily worked with her again. So yeah, write just small notes. Keep in touch with people. You don't necessarily have to. I In fact, I would... of offer don't automate those relationships you have uh, we have all these incredibly advanced crms that i look at all the time that can quickly categorize your database send them don't like the word drip campaigns at all because it connotes kind of the idea that you are for you're just letting the software handle that relationship that's not always good in those especially for referrals Pull those important leads out, those referral leads, and those recent the people you recently did business with. Stay in touch with them. Don't automate those relationships. And then there are a number of other software tools that you can use to gain wider marketing footprint and mainly ask people for testimonials. There's real satisfied, there's rate my agent, few others out there. In fact, I think by the time this airs, the news will be out that. Rate My Agent is an Australian based testimonial marketing company, and they're now partnering with Realtor.com. So, any testimonials on Rate My Agent will be fed directly to your Realtor.com profile. So, and Rate My Agent is free. So, you can jump in there and claim create an account, and you'll have reviews sent to Realtor.com. So, yeah, tactics to quickly summarize write those recent relationships, those recent closed deals, write them letters, don't automate those relationships and use testimonials.
0: That's funny. I, I love that you brought up those reviews and testimonials. That was on my my list of things to ask why those are so important. And how can we do a better job of soliciting those reviews and promoting those positive reviews? I mean, I know I read reviews on everything all the time. And I think, you know, now, more and more that's becoming a habit for for individuals is reading those reviews. And I think we can do a better job at that. What would you say is your advice on the best way to be getting those reviews and then promoting them after we receive them? Because I think it's important not only that we get them, but that we're actually sharing that feedback and letting the world know, hey, this is what people are thinking of me.
1: I'll start first with marketing them. It's, it's tough because you don't necessarily want to kind of humble brag. You just want to act like you've been there before and that these reviews and the things that people are saying about you. Yeah, that's just for the course for me. Yeah, it's it's terrific. I'm grateful. I don't think you should overdo it. I think reviews should be used from a marketing capacity as a foundation, as the as the final, hey, yep, look at all these great reviews this agent has. That should solidify it. Publish them on a website for start. Absolutely. Have them on your website. Make sure they're fairly order them chronologically, because you don't want to review surfacing from five years ago because the reader, the person researching the agent which all consumers do they're going to think oh well that's kind of the last time they did a deal are they even in business chronologically have a most recent absolutely get them on your website you can also create a separate landing page have a link under your bio that says see what people are saying about working with me and have a landing page specific to reviews if something goes wrong if a deal goes south and you get a bad review on on yelp or some public forum. Like you have a Google business page or something and absolutely all times answer those negative reviews. They are the best opportunity to show what kind of person you are and what kind of agent you are, right? Both. Always just acknowledge the bad review, acknowledge the bad experience, apologize for it, and put this out in the open. It automatically shuts down. any someone who's just like really upset and is being really bitter It typically shuts them down. It gives you an opportunity to say, yeah, I made a mistake. I'll make up for it. But if you have like one, maybe two of those instances, but you have 10, 15 other positive reviews, that says a ton about you as an agent, for sure. And answer kind of the first part of your question about how to get them. That can be challenging. There are software products. The article that kind of the impetus for this conversation was ramping up your referral business. And you can find that on inman.com. On top of the software products that are out there, you have to get some courage and ask for it. I would relate it to almost the way like we always talk about using video and marketing today, but a lot of people are very nervous to turn the camera on themselves. It's that same kind of anxiety. It's hard for us to promote ourselves, right? Don't be afraid of that. Just ask them, call and ask, send them a nice email. You just have to ask. If you don't ASK, you don't G-E-T which was a bit of advice I got from another real estate agent mentor of mine many years ago. You have to put yourself out there and ask. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to be at it.
0: I find too that in my personal life, I think that's true too. If, if you know that you had a good experience with someone or you think that they had a good experience, they're probably willing to share. They just might not do it on their own. But if you ask, they're really like, oh my gosh, of course, I can't wait to tell the world, you know, how amazing you were and how you helped me through all the craziness that comes with, with buying or selling a home. You're right. It's scary at first, but I think the response will be more yeses than nos. And I think it's something that just with a little bit of practice and it just takes some getting used to. But you can find that those people are, are pretty willing. I kind of want to bring up a stat that you shared in this article that I thought was crazy and super interesting. And I want to hear more of your thoughts on, on this stat and what we as agents can do uh, with this information. But you said 72% of buyers have second thoughts after closing. That's a lot. <laughs> Why do you think that is? And you know, you mentioned in the article, you know, that's not always the agent's fault. You know, we shouldn't blame it on us, but we certainly can probably help. So why do you think that is that these buyers are having that regret? And what can we do as agents to help with that?
1: Buyers are tough, right? Their requirements change all the time. Their budget changes. They're the ones who always have additional people coming into the deal. And you know whether it's a parent or a partner, they have uh, they have a lot of influence into the house they're buying. That particular stat was probably from NAR. I'm going to put a little bit of that on the timing of that particular survey. I think a lot of people, especially new buyers, if you're new to a home, it can be a scary experience. We all know it's a buying a home is crazy emotional until you, unless you've done it five or six times and it's just utilitarian. I just need shelter. You know, it's probably fine. But I think for a lot of people, it's a scary emotional process, right? And we never really. Are totally satisfied with things that's kind of the unfortunate byproduct of being americans we have so many options it's probably no different with homes right and i think a lot of those buyers being unhappy is because maybe they wanted more storage maybe they wanted a better view maybe they wanted a deck outside their primary that's a reflection of a consumer habit i wouldn't necessarily put as much stake i wouldn't read that overly negatively it is important to take into consideration is Go the extra mile to really making sure your buyer is happy with what they're getting. If a buyer says, yeah, let's, let's make an offer on this, take a minute, let them take a breath, maybe even give them another day. Look, I know that's hard sometimes as an agent because time kills deals. The longer you sit or the longer you don't encourage them to sign something, some other barrier can get in the way. But just make sure your buyer is, make sure they're happy with it because If they're happy with the house, that's going to relate to you as an agent, give you kind of a real world experience to that. I took my wife backcountry skiing for the first time yesterday. So this is like outside of the resort. It requires a lot of special equipment. It went okay. What happened was the equipment she rented to test out was not at all suited to what the conditions we were in. And it made for not a very great experience for her. But I was really nervous that she would associate the equipment with the overall experience. And that'd be the last time I'd be taking her in the backcountry to ski and snowboard. Right. And I think it's the kind of the same way in real estate. Want to make sure your buyer doesn't necessarily associate the final product, their house, with your ability to get them there. So the more you can do to ensure they're in the right place, it'll help the overall experience. And if they're not particularly happy with their house, if they're like, oh, hey, in two or three years, we want to get something else. That's okay. Recognize that. Don't force that happiness.
0: Maybe less to do with how they're feeling about the house or more to do with how they feel about you. Did they feel like you provided them a good service, a good value? Did you help them, like you said, get there, get to where they needed to be? are they satisfied with you and what you provided to them as a paying customer and I think it's important to differentiate the two you know what I mean because yes we are helping them you know purchase a home or or sell a home we're providing them a service at the end of the day and if they're happy with that you know I think it's important to kind of clarify
1: those two make sure you're not the reason why they have second thoughts I guess it's probably the best way to summarize that it's it's likely the home itself but make sure it's also not your ability to manage them as clients that makes them have those
0: second thoughts. Yes, 100%. Exactly. Thank you for, for summing that up much better than, than I can. Um, than I did.
1: Then I explained <laughs> it the first time. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, well, Craig, this was so fantastic. And thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights and in, in your world of things and your perspective on these crazy referrals that are so important of our real estate business. I really appreciated having you on and, and hearing from you and from your side of things. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: I am flattered that you asked me to join. And thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks so much. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We wanna hear from you email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.